0: Welcome to another Real World Road Test here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. And today I am shocked a bit to be able to talk to you about the car from the brand of which I have a strange affinity. And that is Maserati. Real World Road Tests. Maserati. What does that mean to you? I think it's no secret I'm a big Maserati fan, but, you know, in the 50s they were the world championship winning formula one car with the 250f with one mount fangio the famous maserati bird case dominated a large amount of sports car racing in the 60s they made some fantastic grand tour at the 3500 gt and then began to get into the exotica and compete with ferrari and lamborghini with the uh, various the sebring and the indy and those sort of sports cars those sweeping machines in the 70s they partnered with Citroen to make the sm and went bankrupt. In the 80s, they were rescued, went bankrupt, rescued, went bankrupt, and then produced the interesting Turbo, which had the most 80s interior ever. I mean, if you're a fan of ruched leather, you need a 1988 Maserati turbo Late, early 90s, they went bust again before they were finally rescued by the Fiat group, taken under the wing of Ferrari and given the brand identity which they now have, which was initially to produce sporty coupes and sporty Grand Tourers, which would sit... Above anything that the Fiat Group had, so above Alfa Romeo and Lancia as it was then, but below Ferrari. So you have a a mid-range, well, I say mid-range, a a relatively expensive mid-range organisation, not competing with Ferrari in sports cars, but doing that kind of luxurious Italian Gran Turismo concept. And obviously we had the Coupe 3200 with the boomerang lights, the 4200 with the... uh, the semi-automatic gearbox, then the very beautiful Quattroporte came out, uh, and then their second generation cars, starting with the Gran Turismo uh, Coupe, and then we had the Ghibli, the second version of the Quattroporte, and now the car I'm sitting in now, the Levante SUV. So how successful has this kind of concept been of of mid-marketing? Well, very successful. Um, A few years ago... about five years ago, they were selling 5,000 units. With the launch of the Ghibli, with the launch of the second Quattroporte, and the launch of the this car, the uh, Levante SUV, it was 42,000 cars last year. And I think their eventual plans to get to 80 to 100,000 units worldwide, and therefore Fermi established themselves as a premium luxury brand. And I know we we all. Ugh. Go, about uh, marketing but it's very important for a brand to know where it is and of course with the SUVs becoming more prevalent Ferrari are thinking they're going to produce one Aston Martin are producing one we have one from Bentley um, this Levante which sits somewhere at the upper middle end or perhaps the lower upper end is a key model for Maserati but is it any good and is it actually a Maserati so I can get out of the car and look at the outside We're on a quite a busy road but you know Bear with me. The first thing you notice about the Levante is this is a big machine. This is a big car. This is sort of, I suppose, slightly smaller than a Q7, which is a massive pile of, uh, of automotive junk, uh, and a little bit smaller than the Q5. It is a big car. It's a... It's a handsome machine. I mean, I, I don't think any SUV could ever be described as truly beautiful. It's not a, a shape that it evokes the emotion of a of a coupe or even a well-designed saloon. In fact, it, but it is a handsome machine. This particular car is in a kind of a interesting sort of champagne colour, which is surprisingly suits it very well. Looking at the front, it's got a very distinctive front, a big arching, gaping grille with, with vertical strikes and a huge Maserati Trident. And it's got a, a couple of very sleek, modern LED-style lights, such as projector lights, and with this cars have automatic adapter lights as well. So it's got that kind of angled view, an angled light look to it, a few aerodynamic accoutrements below the bottom of the uh, chin and the spoiler. But effectively, it's kind of a bluff. Certainly, it's an aggressive, it's a striking, it's, a, it's an assertive front end. It says, look at me, I'm a Maserati. Round the side, it's, you know, it's much, much, more, much kind of curvier. Three box. In many ways, I probably shouldn't say this, it actually looks like a kind of an upscaled Nissan Qashqai, especially the way the, the rear slopes towards the back end. A couple of lovely detailing trips is the three, what would have been exhaust vents. You had a six cylinder engine in the past, kind of the three little ports they have now, little grills, which are kind of the standard trademark of Maserati, which sits on the flanks at like the front flanks of all the cars now in in lesser or greater form as it is the actual machine itself. The Maserati Levante range actually consists of three distinct models and each model has three distinct trims of equipment. You have the diesel which is about 250 horsepower with a lot of torque. Next up you have the petrol engine 3 litre with 350 horsepower and then you have the S model which is what this particular car is which has 425 horsepower that's also from a 3 litre V6 twin turbo manufactured on the same production line as the Ferrari engines so they don't actually say it's made by Ferrari because probably that probably costs them more in marketing they just say it's manufactured on the same line so it's actually made uh, in Maranello. Three trims, you've got your base trim which is just what you get with it and then you have two diverging trims that cost the same amount of, as Grand Sport which uh, gives the car a more sporty nature, gives you sports. Because you you paddles for the gearbox on the steering wheel, and then you have Grand Lusso, which is a less aggressive look, but then you get slightly more luxurious interior. You get a kind of a free upgrade to the softer leather and that sort of thing. I mean, the cars themselves, all three of them are very, very similar, and, they, and structurally, engine-wise, transmission-wise, they're exactly the same. It's only about the interior trim where you really begin to differentiate themselves and a few kind of little flicks and strakes and slight redesigns to make it look a bit more aggressive or not on the outside. As I say, it, it is an, it's a, it's, a, it's a handsome car. You know, it, it's certainly something you'd be happy to be seen in. It's not really breaking any ground as such. It is, you know, if you're going to say, well, I want to design a reasonably attractive SUV, it's a shape that you would come up with quite easy. It's got a, it's much more of a sloping rear end. Of course, it's not a harsh cut off. It's not going to state back. It is very much a sloping rear design to it. You know, you haven't got, Particularly, yeah, uh, you know, that, that it doesn't try. It's not trying to be a Lamro. It hasn't got the huge step ups on either side at the bottom of the car. And this one comes with pretty nice black wheels. Obviously, you know, it comes with standard 19s. You can get 20s, 21s, 22s. Obviously, with any of these machines, it's how deep in your pockets is how far you can go on that. Effectively, from the outside, it's a good-looking car. It's also well. It's also well marked, and that's actually a really odd thing to say, but sometimes you see cars which are trying to shout too much what they are, and they have a badge everywhere. This, you know, you look on the side of the car. There is a badge saying Grand Lusso, which is just the trim level, and you have one Maserati Trident on the rear three quarters. At the rear, there is a Maserati name, and then something saying it's four-wheel drive, and then name again, and again. And it's not bludgeoning you with the logo, which, given the fact that this is what this will sell on, is quite subtle. I mean, the fact is, this is a car that is, in this trim I'm looking at now, list pricing somewhere in the region of probably about eighty-six thousand pounds. So, yeah, you're saying I am buying this car. Because I understand I want to have a Maserati. I want to have a Maserati SUV because I have a family or I had to go to the tip, large amount of luggage, but I'm not going to shout about it. So it has an understated handsomeness, but it's not beautiful. But it does the job, looks purposeful, looks sporty, even though this is the, the non-sporty version for an SUV. And obviously, but a lot of that is how you, you know, this is when it has a sporty set of wheels. How you spec it? You can spec it anyway you like. These cars, obviously, once you come out, are designed to be designer. That makes sense. There's so many little trims you can effectively... If you go onto the configurator, choose everything from the colour of the carpets, colour of the inserts, colour of the seats, colour of the seat inserts, colour of the dashboard, the type of wood or carbon fibre. There's about nine different wheels to choose from. Ten, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure someone's worked it out. There's probably 175 different thousand permutations. But the fact is, you can make the car individual yourself, and the base it's working on is pretty strong. Strong haunches. It's got a haunched down, good three-quarter panel, and it's a good-looking car. But as I said before, it's not beautiful, but... Beauty is obviously within, and to be honest, that's probably where the Maserati scores the most. So let's have a look inside the little beast. Real world road tests. Getting into the Levante, and it is... An absolutely lovely place to be. You have, unsurprisingly, in this day and age of, of modern luxury, you have uh, leather everywhere. You have exceptionally comfortable, easy-to-adjust chairs. They will go in every direction you wish them to go. It's even got, apparently, though I haven't managed to find out where, has an adjustable pedal box, um, which would make... But I found without adjusting the pedals, I was perfectly comfortable with my with the electric steering wheel adjustment. If you're paying £86,000, you probably expect to do all that. All the parts of the car, you know, there's nothing that's really top notch you've got good quality leather good quality soft feel products you've got a nice everything's the stitching's really well done the say woods is very nice you don't i'm trying to find an unpleasant piece of plastic and the only bit i can find is just about there that's a slightly unpleasant bit of plastic and that is just the on the pillar, which goes down from the seat belt, So you never reach to see it, because you actually had to search for that. So they've, they've certainly put their money where their mouth is, as far as the, the quality of the vehicle is concerned. Nicely embossed Maserati Tridents in uh, the four main headrests. And there's plenty of space in the front. It's a spacious car. It's an airy car. This car's got an optional sunroof. makes it even more airy. But I thought, well, I'll, I'll close it and see it's like. It's still, you get this great feeling of space. As I said before, it's got a big footprint, so you should do. But you do feel very very much that you have plenty of room you're not cramped up you can relax you can stretch out there's you know, the, the center console is beautiful it's beautiful leather and you do kind of feel right okay I, I have paid out a large check for this machine but i do feel i've got some value out of it and that opulence, that ambience, is something which does carry you through the machine itself. I'm just going to have a quick shot. I haven't sat in the back yet, so I'm going to sit in the back. I'm going to sit in the back behind me. This is exciting, isn't it? Man getting in back of the car live on radio. So, sitting behind myself. This is me. I'm six foot, whatever it is. I'm now, with my seat where it is, I'm now six foot me sitting behind me and, yeah, it's fine. I am, I am quite comfortable behind myself. Seats are hard back, which always just take about an inch out because you, you, know, you can't push in. It's got light-coloured floor mats, which I wouldn't recommend, but obviously that's something you can spec around. Again, the leather's actually gorgeous. Really quite in love with this leather, actually. Sitting behind this seat, which might much uh, more attractive, a much smaller wife was sitting in earlier, and there is well, you'd be about six foot six and happily sit in the back of that. So very, very comfortable for four. Fifth seat in the middle. The right. There is a seat belt for it. It's occasional. This is a four-adult machine, and, or or you could pick up three children in the back. It's kind of a quick shifty at the boot, which is obviously an SUV, obviously you, know, you wouldn't think that important, but yeah you know, it's, it's one of the key things of a of an SUV, you need to put stuff in it. Have to be honest, of all the elements of the car, this is the one bit which I'm mildly disappointed with in that it's not as it stands, you heard it beeping up automatically. it's not massive. It's got a very, very high loading lip in the loading the top of the bumper is where the, the loading starts. So yeah you know, if you look at the from the from the base of the boot point to where you can get something in, it's only about well, I say about 15 inches because the, as I said before this is a coupe style rear now obviously if you start putting the seats down it's absolutely massive because there's so much room in the actual back of the car that you get a huge amount of space in it with, with a couple of seats down so actually it's a, a load haul if you do your Ikea your Maserati you'd be able to get your Billy bookcase in there but it's just a case of if you're just having the boot the boot has a very high lip fine for shopping fine for everything else but just you know not massive, but now I did wonder. I have looked at this already. I wonder why uh, this was the case. And if you lift up the base of it, you find you get the some of these, that's, that's the plastic for the various covers and things. Underneath that, you think, oh, I'm going to found a massive amount of space underneath this little tray. But no, what had underneath it is the air jack and the, because the, uh, it, it hasn't got a spare wheel. It's got a bit of air and a, uh, a puncture repair kit type thing. And underneath that is the battery. So in the uh, battle for fifty-fifty weight distribution, they've set the battery where the spare wheel will go. So you don't get a big wheel well of space. But, you know, it's perfectly adequate if you're not trying to carry a mobile TV studio around Europe, which I would be. But it's just a little surprising for the size of the car that at that point you've only got a relatively small element of actual boot space. Real world road Now, I expect you to think I've just climbed into the driving seat from being at uh, the back. But this is actually uh, two and a half days after I recorded the last bit about looking in the boot. And to be honest, in many ways, I'm very pleased we've had this delay. It's given me a chance to do another 300 miles with the Levante. And I think I have a very different opinion of the car certainly it's a driving machine than, I, than my kind of overview would have been a few days ago. First of all I'm behind the wheel now and I think it's a, a good chance to actually look at the way the controls and everything else is laid out. The steering wheel is quite large quite chunky it's a big old thing it's uh it's quite nice it, it, Handles very nicely, and of course you have the infotainment, and next to that you have a, a selection of buttons and the the dials. And in the fact, they they've limited. It's not a, it's not a Lexus button fest here inside the Levante. It's obviously very classy, very smooth. The entertainment, in fairness, the you know the infotainment as it's called now. It, it's okay. Um It's not the greatest ever. It's got everything you could want. It's got Apple CarPlay, which effectively means it's got everything you want now. And it'll look exactly the same as every other car. The Apple CarPlay. The maserati version is a version of the jeep system it's it's perfectly fine it's got a nice map it'll tell you where the speed cameras are it's got a, a mixture of all the various opportunities you need you can adjust things on the fly all the settings and everything else it's attractive it's got a nice maserati skin it's not in any way at the top of the world it's setting new new standards but it is you know perfectly fine perfectly functional you can get everything you need sometime with one extra click oddly it's a touch screen but they've also included on the The console, a double-decker rotary system, almost like people who who are are touch-phobic could use. I can't see much reason for using that. But again, a lot of these things, if you end up with a car for a... I know a lot more of this car for driving four or five days. I did one for a day. And again, if you live with a car for about several weeks, you might find those very, very useful. All the usual controls on the steering wheel for a luxury car. You've got your cruise control. You've got your um, ability to adjust through the scroll, through the various uh, pieces of information on the uh, TFT screen in the middle of the two dials. Speedo on the left, rev counter on the right there. Nice analogue dials, a bit of a screen. The screen will show you all sorts of information. Worryingly, it shows you the fuel consumption. It's best to stay off that one in this car. Uh, But obviously, it'll show you next turn coming up for the nav and everything else as well. One thing that is quite strange, unique, unnecessary, uh, it's only got one, one uh, column stalk. So, uh, you know, you've got it, it's got everything front, rear, wipers, lights, the whole lot indicated all in one stalk. Now, I'm not necessarily sure that's, that's needed. Again, tad confused when you're trying to clean windows and everything else initially, but again, something else you live with the car, you get used to, and go, oh, I absolutely love the fact there's a single stalk. Uh, Electric operate steering column, um, so you're in a perfect position to drive the car, and effectively, it's a solid job of presenting the drive with the information he requires. It's better than some, not as good as others. It's quite nice in Maserati skin. I said before, I think with the ubiquitousness of Apple CarPlay and Android Auto coming on, it's very likely that we'll be using those more and more. And one advantage of having an Apple CarPlay is you can access your, was it Spotify or Ds or whatever you may use for your music supply that's how i get my show tunes obviously and i have to be honest i'm a little bit disappointed with the standard speakers this car has standard speakers a little bit mm, a bit tinny not got much going underneath it but there are two options and believe it or not the harman kardon option is the cheaper of the two and i can't remember who the manufacturer the super option is but i again when you're spending this much money in a car and you're going to spend any time in it then upgrading the speakers would seem to be whilst pricey a pretty much of a no-brainer thing to do so, when you're presented with a car, it's a great thing. It's a good look at, it feels nice. The tactility of the steering wheel's okay. This is the, again, the Grand Lusso, so it's um, a, kind of a a fatter steering wheel. It's not quite as, uh, uh, there's no carbon fibre, not quite as the tactility of the, uh, the Grand Sport, but apart from that, everything pretty good. like all modern luxury cars all modern luxury fast vehicles especially those using the almost ubiquitous now zf 88 eight-speed gearbox you get a number of modes with the car so you have uh, a sport mode a standard mode an off-road mode and an ice mode which isn't actually for ice though apparently do use it for ice it's actually for uh, better efficiency so you've got a kind of a mode for running on the motorway which gives you a few more miles to the gallon. Sport effectively opens the exhaust valves and gives you a little bit more uh, an active throttle response, a little bit more reactive to, to how you go with it. Off-road raises the ride height. You also have sport suspension which you can select separately from sport. So you've got sport then sport suspension the suspension does stiffen up. it Again it hunkers the car down. This standard air suspension in this car is used to good effect. it hunker the car down just to give the car a much, more, a much flatter aspect through corners. Obviously it's a big vehicle. It's 2.2 tonnes. You're always is aware of the weight and there's also an option you change the gearbox manually as well so it's a it's a, a fully functional environment initially when you drive the car you feel the bulk of the machine both its physical footprint and the momentum of the weight but in fact as you get more used to it you get more used to to driving a vehicle of this size it becomes much much more second nature it becomes much more much easier to pilot the machine it's not nimble and To expect a 2.2-ton SUV to be nimble is possibly uh, foolhardy. It does, however, handle very well. I, in the previous version, uh, ragged it around a few country lanes, and whilst you know, barrelling into a a country lane at a speed obviously officer off the speed limit in sport mode can be a little bit uh, bottom-clenching. It actually goes. It actually works really. There's a huge amount of grip in this car. very, very gripping machine. Obviously, even while it's off-road, it's, it's got road tyres, got road tyres now, very fat 295s, I think, in every corner. So it handles very well as far as pure grip is concerned. You've always got the weight you're controlling. And on the sports is very, very flat. I live in Milton Keynes, so one of the good things you can do is really see what's like a constant radius corner, because you're constantly going round, roundabouts, and the thing will handle very, very well. It's got a very nice front end. It's not a wallowy. That's the key. It's not a wallowy off-roader. It, it's, you know, like most modern sporting off-roader, it's well-planted. However, I'm not actually sure if that's Really, what this car is about. I know it's a Maserati, but Maserati certainly, I think, are looking to fulfil, have been for a while, with the Quattroporte, a car even called the gran Turismo. They're looking to be a GT, and if you think of this as a GT SUV, then you're driving it. I think the way it was designed, it's got a lot of power in reserve, so you're never kind of caught out. You've got 425 horsepower. You can get out, you get out of trouble. You can fill into a gap. It's very comfortable. It's an exceptionally comfortable car. It's quiet. It's got very little wind noise. for like it was just a huge bluff exterior. You know, there is some some road for some tire noise, but there's not a lot you can do about that. But it's a very very comfortable cruise. I did 300 miles, or 250 miles uh, on a day, and it's it, you get out there this is great. It's really really comfortable. It, it's very cosseting, especially in this grand lusso form. And handles them. so it doesn't, you know, it doesn't give you any worries. You know, you've got everything reserved. The brakes are very, very good. The helm itself, the steering, it's, it's quite heavy. You know, you're not going to get a lot of feel, but you kind of know what's going on. It's not, it's not not sitting there thinking, "Oh, I've got a Lotus Caterham beneath me," but it's not like a massively vague machine. Like some, I've done a lot of off roaders where the steering is kind of approximately connected to the front wheels by possibly two rubber bands and an earplug. You know, you always know what you're doing. It's quite elastic-y but it is possible to to work out exactly what's going on at the front end i only drove it in the dry so there's never any issues with grip it's a the four-wheel drive system is one of the, uh, the more modern dynamic systems where for most of the time you get a hundred percent of the drive goes to the rear and it only actually pushes drive to the front when there's a, a lack of grip at the rear so it's a kind of a idea you know, is a rear bias it to give it a bit of more of a an active feeling but in fairness, in dry weather. With 295 Pirelli tyres and even booty, you're not going to have any wheel slip in this car. It's got enough, not any mechanical grip, it's got effectively you know, just the weight of the car is keeping it on the ground. So it always felt very safe, very planted, always felt very closeting. It's a very, very nice place to be, both to sit and to drive long distances. You don't want to do a track day with it. If you're blatting around a B-row that you might blat around in something um, sporty, you know, you'd be going a bit slower, you'll still be carving nicely, you'll be having no worries. But it is a grand turismo in the finest sense of the word and it's a grand turismo SUV so it's conclusion time what what is my feeling about the Maserati Levante S Grand Lusso basically i think it's great i really like it it is very expensive and one thing's interesting is as as i've walked out of my drive and seen it well my door and seen it on the drive i've got to appreciate the looks more and more it is a it's a kind of a car that becomes more handsome more striking as you get used to it the most interesting thing about the car in many ways is actually the effect it has on other people i've had several people in here as passengers including my wife my 89 year old mother my 20 year old son so we've covered the entire demographic groups there and all of them have really liked being passengers in it. They've enjoyed the experience of being in the car. And that's interesting. I think, I think yeah, that's an interesting situation. If you ever think about what, what, what other people think of the passengers, they just find it a, a lovely place to be. And I think I, I have as well. When I first got the car, I thought, oh, I, I think I, I've got the Grand Lusso version. I'm a Grand Sport guy. I want the sporty version. I want to have a a, yeah, a, a sports seat and a sports steering wheel. But I'm now kind of thinking possibly this Grand Lusso version is actually where it fits. You get the uh, much more uh, standard. You get the much plusher interior with a better leather and everything else. And you, and what you don't get is a slightly more aggressive nose and, a, and sports seats which you don't really need, or a sports steering wheel. The only thing I would probably do is I'd probably go, oh, I'll have a Grand Lusso, thank you very much, rider but I'll get the, um, the steering wheel with the, with the paddles from the, uh, the sports uh, version. I'd be a very happy boy. I'm obviously, I've got to shift the 90 grand first, well, 85. But all in all, it's a very, very good car. And what I would say is, Where does it fit in the marketplace? In a way, it kind of fits Maserati's brief perfectly, and it sits in an area where there's very little to compete with it. The Porsche is much more overtly sporting than the Cayenne. The BMWs, the Audis, well, you know, everyone's got to be there. They've got no marked cachet at all. And if you go up to the cars that have got marked cachets, well, you're looking at the Bentley Bentayga at £200,000. You're looking at the upcoming Lagonda of Master Martin at probably the same sort of money. So if you're looking for a luxury SUV with a luxury brand, realistically, if you're looking in this price range, you're lucky to look at this price range, it's pretty much a no-brainer. You know, all you've got to do is decide exactly what colour combination of leather and wood and carbon fibre and, and everything else you want. Oh, and also you have to work out uh, the issue of is the fact that it does about 22.5 miles a gallon. But hey-ho, if you can afford £90,000 for a car, that's not an issue. Anyway, Levante. I'll have two, please, Maserati. Thanks for listening. Real World Road Test. Check out more at Radiolamon.com.